0: Good morning, and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee and Cap Rates, a podcast where we break down the commercial real estate investment sales market. I'm Remy Mandel, an analyst at Ariel Property Advisors, and today I'm here with the president of Ariel, Shimon Shkuri. This is a great episode, especially to have Shimon on, because we're going to talk all about Ariel, what's been happening in the past few months here at the company. We're here at a very interesting time, post-rent regulation, and investors were taking the time to digest information and see what they were going to do about their business plans. And throughout the past few months, we've really seen some different types of activity here, and I think it'd be really interesting for our listeners to hear what's going on currently. So, Shimon, let's start off by talking a little bit about what's been going on at Ariel the past few months, our listings, contracts, closings, et cetera. Give us all the details.
0: Thank you, Remy. I think that what's interesting to see for us today is that the amount of listings that we put into contract have increased compared to the beginning of the year. It's not a secret that 2019 had a very low volume of transactions overall in the investment sales market in New York City. There are several reasons for that, but we've seen levels of 2011. And only in the past 60 days, and we're in December now, we've started to see a pickup. Part of it is also already translated into closings. So, for example, our company just closed on a $75 million deal, two buildings uptown, both project-based Section 8. This transaction uh, was led by my partner Victor Sozio, as well as by one of our directors, uh, Matt Gillis. This building, as an example of uh, these assets, are an example of assets that were not affected by rent regulation, and we could transact them. We also had some very interesting smaller properties that traded all of which are development sites. So for example, Sean Kelly and Vic sold Myrtle Avenue earlier this year. Uh, Mike Tortorici sold a commercial building, 2191 3rd Avenue, and Matt Swerdlow financed that building for a nonprofit. Uh, St. Anne's apartment is another deal that we sold earlier, also an affordable housing deal in the Bronx. And then we sold a lot on 3rd Avenue, a vacant lot on Grove Street, a vacant lot on 125th Street, and the vacant lot and Prospect, all of which are with price ranges around 5 to $6 million. So what it tells us is that the smaller properties, especially below $10 million, are trading nicely compared to anything else, and we do a lot of it.
1: So I want to back up a little bit, ask you a few questions about those properties. So first, do you want to talk a little bit about project-based Section 8? Kind of what is it, and why was it not affected by rent regulation? I know it's an affordable housing, but... Why is something like that transacting and some of the other properties are maybe not as much?
0: It's a great question. So on a very high level, project-based Section 8 is a contract that an owner has with the government to essentially pay that landlord a certain percentage of the rent, relatively a very high percentage of the rent, 80 or 90%, sometimes higher, in lieu of encumbering the property and having uh, tenants that need vouchers or need Section 8 assistance or need, need low-income assistance. And these contracts are very lucrative today. Most of them renew every five years. When they renew, they renew based on the prevailing rent in the area based on a rent study. And so an investor who looks at a, a building encumbered by a project-based Section 8 usually sees an opportunity for an increase in rent moving forward in the life of of that contract. In most cases, these buildings are also not rent stabilized. So these these provide real advantages for project-based Section 8 buildings. They also behave economically, very similar to free market buildings. And if you have the right strategy and execution, you can really work also with a city on certain uh, affordable items that will help you reduce certain levels of taxes. So there's a lot of opportunity in these buildings. They rarely trade, and we see them as, um, as advantageous, especially in today's environment.
1: And for the buyer of that property, I know you said they don't really trade that much. So kind of what goes into the process of finding the correct buyer for that? Because it doesn't seem like any New York City owner and investor who doesn't have any experience in affordable housing could kind of take that project on.
0: So what you just mentioned is interesting, because if you talk to us 15 years ago or 12 years ago, we tell you that you're absolutely right. There's only affordable housing operators who understand either a preservation execution or just a conventional execution that are buying project-based Section 8. Today, it's not just the affordable housing operators. It's also conventional operators. It's also institutions who have buckets of capital that are core plus that will invest in these in these assets. And so it's not the issue of finding a buyer. It's more of an issue of finding the right product for it. And that's really has been the challenge for us, Throughout the years, our clients are knocking on our door for project-based Section A transactions and deals, mm-hmm. and we can tell you that, you know, that the amount of uh, these buildings that are trading in the city today is extremely low.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. You also mentioned on the property that we sold on Third Avenue, we had the investment sales portion and also the capital services portion with Matt Swerlo providing the financing. Can you talk a little bit about that process, how that's a big benefit at, at Ariel, how we have both of those divisions and how maybe the groups work together or didn't work together to kind of... Make that collaboration happen. Yeah,
0: we we have three divisions at Ariel Property Advisors: the investment sales division, and then we have capital services, and then we have our research division. Remy, you were one of the prominent analysts there, and we did it on purpose. We believe that investment sales and capital services go hand in hand. So, in every listing that we get hired on, we are also assign in a capital services. Professional, and we do that because we believe it helps our sellers uh, have a better handle on on financing, and helps our buyers understand what they can achieve in the marketplace. It doesn't mean every buyer is going to hire us to finance their deal, but in many cases they do because they understand the advantage of us having close understanding of that specific product. It worked out well with Third Avenue. And the reason is the buyer there was a nonprofit. We helped that nonprofit navigate the financing environment, which is a little bit difficult and different compared to anything else that's uh, in the market today. Our client, the seller, was extremely happy. The buyer was extremely satisfied with the proceeds they received as well as the terms. And uh, my partner, Mike Tortorici, and our broker, uh, Matt Swerdlow, have done a fantastic job in executing for both clients.
1: I agree. I think that it's a really interesting environment that we provide here, and it provides a good competitive advantage, especially to help our clients out, because we can provide both the opportunities in investment sales and in capital services. Um, Are there any big sales or listings that we have that you think are going to be really indicative of the market? I know we talked about the um, deal with the seventy-five and point five million dollar deal that I know in October for the multifamily market that really it really spiked. I know Northern Manhattan had two really big deals that increased our dollar volume tremendously. Other other big things that are happening right now I th- uh, that are you know going to help the, the late twenty nineteen numbers, uh, early twenty twenty numbers.
0: There are a few deals that are going to be a bellwether for the industry that we have in contract, and I'm sure that our competitors have a few others that are in contract. And, you know, over the next 90 days, we'll probably see a bunch of them going through and providing more of a comparable sales information. We have a one dealing contract in Manhattan below 96th Street, specifically in the East Village, that we hope to close early January. Half of the building is with rent stabilized tenants. So once we close on that, we can let you know more about it. And we have a 30-plus building portfolio that's in contract also in Manhattan. And when that closes, it's going to be one of the most interesting transactions to discuss because all of the units there are rent-stabilized units. So the answer is yes. We're currently in discussions with, you know, we currently have in our inventory a few buildings that we believe will go through contract. And we're currently discussing probably close to a billion dollars with a few other Uh, sellers uh, that are contemplating selling either semi or all uh, rent stabilized units in the city of New York. It has been a very interesting year for us watching regulation affect the market in such a significant way and right now trying to really figure out uh, pricing and talking to new capital that's coming to the market and trying to understand. Where the opportunities are, including distress.
1: So I know we can't really disclose a lot of information about those properties that are in contracts. But are those buyers? Would you say they were the typical buyers of rent-save-wise properties in the past, or are we seeing some new entrants into the market? Of some people who hadn't really. Been buying rent stabilized properties, kind of picking those up, or it's really been the same people throughout?
0: So in taking any property we have in contract out of the equation, what we see in terms of buyers who want to transact today is mostly different type of clientele. If it's specifically for rent stabilized units, this is more patient money. This is money that's coming in from family offices or high net worth individuals who is willing to invest, receive current yield, receive relatively high, relatively to New York City, relatively high cash on cash returns and wait, and wait it out. And when I say wait it out, seven, 10 years plus. Some of the buyers expect some changes, positive changes in regulations. Some of them do not. Again, I think it's just too early. Even you know, it's just too early to determine exactly how everything is going to be played out. But we have at this point a pretty good handle on what in capital is willing to buy, and at what pricing in each one of the boroughs. And clearly, each one of the buildings uh, has to be evaluated and viewed as, uh, as separately.
1: Yeah, that's true. So, is there anything else you think that our listeners? Should look out for, I guess, for the remainder of 2019, early 2020, any other deals or, or any properties that you would like to highlight?
0: Absolutely. I think we, we I know that we take a lot of information in. Uh, we look at our own listings. We look at the general macro market in terms of transactions, number of transactions, and dollar volume. We look at our listings compared to what we converted to contracts and sales. And I can tell you that in the past 60 days, we've seen a shift from lower transaction volume to higher transaction volume. The market is trending higher. 2020 is going to be a better year than 2019. At least the first six to eight months of the year uh, before the election, we believe will be a great year for transactions, again, compared to 2019. So from our perspective, we're very, we're excited for 2020 and and we'll look forward to working with our clients.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know we had the Federal Reserve that just met this past week, and they did not change their rates, and they kind of indicated that next year they will not change the rates as well, and something just to kind of look out for, as you mentioned, is the presidential election, which could you know, alter the real estate environment for sure. So thank you so much, Shimon. Thank you, Remy. I appreciate it, and thank you guys for listening to Coffee and Cap Rates. Tune in next time. Have a good one.